there, this is Jen Wade, part of the core team here at Springs Church. We just want to say thank you so much for joining us and listening to our podcast. We are praying that it encourages you and it inspires you. And if you'd like to find out more about Springs Church, please visit our website, springschurch.co.uk. Here's today's message. Wonderful. Good afternoon, everyone. Feels like maybe with the darkness, it might be evening time by now. Um, for those of you who don't know, my name is Ben. Uh, I'm one of the leaders here at Springs, and you are so, so, so welcome this afternoon slash evening. Um, I just want to let me know before, um, before I start, we are finishing at 5.45 this afternoon, this evening, which gives me, um, yeah, about 40 minutes. All right. Um, the reason we are doing that is because there is a wonderful gathering over in Tipton. St. Matthew's Church in Tipton, uh, we are having a together celebration. Uh, so this is part of Love Black Country that Lindsay works for. Pete and, look at that. It's shining on the back of my head, but look at that. Um, Pete and Anna are leading worship over there. So we would love for as many of us as possible to, to go straight over to, uh, to Tipton for a six o'clock start there. That would be absolutely incredible. And we're praying every blessing over those guys as they gather together uh, with everything that's happening with the Together Movement. It's absolutely incredible. So I am not going to be too long, I hope. Um, actually, the way that we opened our, our service today with Lydia and even what John said then has really confirmed what God's put on my heart to share this afternoon. Lydia opened by saying, I hope you've had a peaceful week. I hope you're coming in with as little stress as possible. And John's just reiterated then that the the things of this life often can get us down and make us feel like like there's no way out. And um, I kind of wanted to speak into that a little bit this evening. The title of my message is Peace in the Chaos. Um, I don't know about you, but my life can sometimes feel a little bit chaotic uh, with a full-time job, with uh, helping, with running of church, with two kids under five. Um, life sometimes feels very chaotic. It feels more chaotic, like yesterday, when we're driving in the car to B&Q and Evie decides to smear chocolate all over the car and scream at the top of her voice for the whole journey there. Moments <laughs> like that can feel incredibly chaotic. How do we cope with the busyness of life when when rubber hits the road on a Monday morning? If life feels chaotic and unordered, um, how do we cope with that? And and that's a question I've been asking myself uh, at the start of this year. Um, At the 31st of December last year, um, about 10.30pm, just before the new year came in, um, I had two missed calls from my grandma on my phone. Uh, So I rang her back and wished her a happy new year. We said, we'll see, you. we'll see you tomorrow. We're going to celebrate my dad's birthday uh, that day after. Unfortunately, my grandma passed away that night, New Year's Day, uh, about two or three o'clock in the morning. What we had across our family was, was, was chaos, really. Uh, overnight, um, someone that we were expecting to be around for many more years wasn't, and it felt like a deep sense of sadness. But at the same time, and I've talked about this with my dad since, actually, we felt a strange sense of peace. And so how do we feel at peace in the chaos? What was, what was that situation for us like? I was immediately drawn to Philippians 4. Philippians 4 verse is uh, the end of 5 uh, up to 7. So Philippians 4 verses 5, 6, and 7. It says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then these words from the book of John came to me as well. This is John 14. Peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then two two chapters later in John 16, it says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. But how... How do I have peace when I don't feel peaceful? When life throws things at me, how do I cope with that? What, what does that mean? Is it down to a personality type? Is it down to how you deal with stress? It's quite often said, particularly at work, that I'm very mellow, very chilled. Some people would say uh, lazy. I don't like that term. I would say laid back. Is it to do, if, if, I, if I'm chilled as a personality, do I have God's peace? Are we talking about some strange Eastern or, or, or Buddhist idea of Zen or inner peace? Are we talking about, about spirituality in that sense? Well, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I, I believe that to fully understand a peace that surpasses all understanding, I think we actually need to widen our definition of peace. You see, peace in our language at the base level, if you look in the dictionary, says peace is the absence of war. We might hear about peace treaties or times of peace, uh, not very often in our news at the moment, but, but those are the words that we may associate with the word peace. But when I read my Bible, my Bible doesn't talk about peace as the absence of war, even though that's our understanding of it in the English language. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And Jesus himself in Matthew 10 says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Well, hang on a minute. That doesn't sound like the absence of war. That sounds like a spiritual battle. So, maybe Christians, if we're in a battle, if we are in a war, if we are in a a spiritual contest for our world, maybe given our definition of peace being the absence of war, maybe we're not meant to be peaceful. Maybe given our definition of peace, we're not supposed to be peaceful. Again, we're not talking about this idea of inner peace. We're not talking about the spirituality. We're not talking about Zen. We're talking about a biblical concept of peace. I want to talk to you about what peace means in the Bible, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. There's some wonderful nuances of language that we can bring out here. Uh, I am a primary school teacher by trade. I teach children um, who are six and seven. But one of the things I love to do with them is pick apart the etymology of words. We like to pick apart what does, it, what does a word mean and why does it mean that. One of the favorite ones I went through was breakfast with the children. And we talked about how the word actually was spelt break fast. And that is all to do with, well, at nighttime you don't eat and in the morning you break your fast. It's breakfast. And so when we go into these little word studies, what I like to do is, is think about what that may mean for us in the Bible. So in the Old Testament... The Hebrew word for peace is actually shalom. In the New Testament, which was not written in in Hebrew, it was written in Greek, the word for peace is irene. So let's talk about the Old Testament first of all. What What did the biblical people, what did the people who wrote the Bible understand about the term peace? 
when they were writing these words about a peace that surpasses all understanding. Uh, shalom, in, it, it can mean, in the Bible, it can mean the absence of conflict, absolutely, the same definition that we today have of peace. But it also points to the presence of something better in the place of that absence of conflict. It means, in its most basic form, complete or whole. Doesn't that already feel like a more fitting definition for the world that we live in? And the wholeness and the completeness of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. The word shalom can also refer to a stone, a stone that is, that is perfect, a stone that has no cracks. We see in Joshua 8, verse 31, that Joshua is actually instructed to, to have a shalom stone, to use a, a stone that was, that was perfect, complete, and whole. It can also refer to an actual stone wall, that's completed and it's got no gaps in it, no missing bricks. Uh, it's like something that's complex with lots of pieces, but in a state of completeness. Kind of like if you ever go to an art gallery and observe a beautiful work of art, something that's incredibly complicated, but also complete at the same time. Shalom in the Bible also refers to a person's well-being. So when um, David went to go and meet his brothers before he battled Goliath, David inquired to, the, to his brothers as to how their shalom was, how their completeness was, how their wholeness was. The heart of the word shalom is that life is complex. Life is full of moving parts. Life is full of relationships and situations. And the whole idea of it is when any of those are out of alignment or missing, your shalom, completeness, wholeness breaks down. Life is no longer whole. And life may need to be restored. And maybe you've come into church feeling that way this afternoon, that you're feeling your wholeness, your completeness, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding may be absent from your life. And I believe that God can add that to your life today. In fact, you can actually use shalom as a verb, um, as, a, as an action word, as I say to the kids at work. To bring shalom will mean to bring completeness or to bring wholeness to somebody, to restore. You can see that in the book of Exodus. Exodus 22, verse 4, should be popping up on the screen. But it basically says, if, if the animal is found alive in their possession, if someone has stolen something from somebody else, whether ox or donkey or sheep, they must pay back double. They will be in order to bring shalom to their friends and, their, and the people that, or the, sorry, not their friends, the people they had wronged, the people they had taken things from. They were called to bring that to completeness. Proverbs 16, verse 7, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies be at shalom with him, be at completeness, be at wholeness, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship. That is, by the very definition, to bring peace, to bring shalom. In fact, the whole idea of the Old Testament was that Israel's kings were supposed to bring shalom into the world. They were supposed to bring peace completeness and wholeness into the world and so when you read the old testament and see that israel was at war with other people the whole idea of that war was that they were supposed to come in and start working together the idea was that they were meant to bring wholeness and completeness not war but actually moving forward together as nations but consistently the human condition the nature of humans the nature of mankind gets in the way and diverted what god meant by his perfect peace. However, God has and had a plan. 
a plan to deliver perfect peace to us, to deliver perfect completeness, to deliver perfect wholeness to us. It says this in Isaiah 9, verses 5 to 6. You might hear this at Christmas, but it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Prince of Shalom, Prince of Completeness, Prince of Wholeness, of the greatness of his government and peace, Shalom. There shall be no end. And so what we read here is the book of Isaiah is prophesying that Jesus would come and bring a perfect completeness and a perfect wholeness into the world. And so if you've come into church today feeling an absence of that completeness and an absence of that wholeness, like your world has been turned upside down, well, I believe the person of Jesus is the only person that can turn that around. Jesus came to right all wrongs. He came to heal all things that are broken. And that's why when we jump into the New Testament, we see that Jesus is announced in the Greek as irene, meaning completeness, wholeness, and peace. That word shalom has jumped languages and continued forward with the person of Jesus. This is what the angels announced to the shepherds when Jesus was being born. Luke 2 verse 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Jesus actually said in John 14, verse 27, my irene, my peace, I give to you. And in Romans 5, verse 1, it's written, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. Not peace as in the absence of war, but peace as in completeness and wholeness and restoration. Ephesians 2 verses 14 to 15 says, For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. So, if we unpick our biblical definition of peace, it's no longer an idea, it's no longer a thought, it's no longer the absence of war. Peace is a person, and his name is Jesus. Peace I leave with you, we read at the start. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. We also read, I have told you these things so that you in me may have peace. Peace is a person. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So how do you get this completeness and wholeness when your world is tumbling down? When the circumstances of life seem like they're fighting against you, when there's illness in the family, when there's death in the family, when there seems like life is not fair, the Prince of Peace is with you. The very person of Jesus is our definition of peace. Completeness and wholeness and restoration is all bound up within the person of Jesus. So when Jesus said he did not come to bring peace to the earth, he was talking in very real terms. You read that in Matthew 10 at the very start of this message. Jesus actually said, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. Jesus has not come to bring peace to the earth. The earth is full of horrible things. 
things as circumstances of life, we might call them. Things that, that feel like we're being attacked by, things that get us down, the stresses of life. Jesus didn't come to stop that. He said, I have not come to bring peace to the world. But he did say he'd come to give us his peace. Peace in the Bible is not always just the absence of conflict. I don't think there is any moment in my 29 years of life that I have ever been totally free of conflict. I think every single moment of our lives, there is a conflict either within us or going on around us. There is a storm of life that everybody could talk about in this room right now. So it would be naive of us to assume that Jesus came to remove conflict. What Jesus did come is to give us completeness and wholeness and restoration. One of the most famous verses in the Bible is Psalm 23, verses 1 to 6. This is what it says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I almost love the aggressiveness of he makes me lie down. Sometimes, if my kids are kicking off, I will make them cuddle me. I will make them come in. Because closeness makes people stop. <laughs> and so I love that part where the, where the Bible says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Sometimes God needs to make us lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What boldness to sit down in front of your conflict and eat. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Bible doesn't say that the enemies disappear. The Bible doesn't say that the conflict stops, that the issues in your life will end overnight. But what it does say is you will have such a completeness, such a wholeness, such a restoration with God that you can sit down in the presence of your problem and eat. So does the Bible promise inner peace? No. <laughs> does it promise that we will always feel peaceful absolutely not but it does promise shalom and irene wholeness completeness and restoration that only comes from him so i'm going to bring this into land if you want this peace this wholeness this restoration this completeness that surpasses all understanding there is nothing that we can do except welcome jesus into our heart the way that I love to end my messages normally is I'll, I'll leave you with some practical points about let's do this and let's try this and let's do this and those things maybe will help us in the week. But what that does is puts the control back upon us. We have to tick the box. We have to do these things. So I'd prefer this evening to leave things a little bit open-ended because it's all about him. If you want that completeness, that wholeness, you need to go after him. You need to search for him, he who saved our soul. I'm sorry, but this piece isn't going to stop you being annoyed when your kids are kicking off. This piece will not make work less stressful. The piece isn't going to destroy your problems. 
but you will feel complete, whole, and restored, and able to sit down in the presence of your problems and eat with him. As a result of this completeness, and as a result of this wholeness, and as a result of this restoration, I do believe that some people find it easier to deal with the stresses of life. I think that might be true. But that is a byproduct of what Jesus has done for us, not the main product. We're not selling a self-help book about inner peace or some weird spirituality. We're talking about the presence of God being within us. Peace that surpasses all understanding. The God who will never leave you nor forsake you will be with you forever. And so we can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. His name is Jesus. Peace is a person. You want peace? Go and get Jesus. Band are going to come back up and uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray two prayers. And then we're going to have a time of just reflecting upon what's been said. We're going to have a time of, of saying all the things that we want to say back to, back to God, whether that's through songs or through your own words. So there's going to be two prayers. This first prayer is going to be for someone who maybe wants this completeness and wholeness and restoration and has never welcomed Jesus into their heart. Maybe you're sitting here and your heart's beating faster than normal and you're thinking, hmm, these words are landing home. Um, I think I need a relationship with Jesus. I've got all the questions in the world. I don't understand half the things that this dude has said at the front. But, but I think I want something more. That, the first prayer is going to be for you. And at the end of that prayer, I'm going to ask if you would do a really brave thing and just look up and make eye contact with me. We would love to, to put a Bible in your hand, not to make a show and a dance of it, but, but to quietly come over and, and pray with you. We would love that at the end of that first prayer. The second prayer is going to be for maybe us, maybe, maybe an experienced Christian, maybe someone who's been doing this game for, for a while now, but we still want that completeness and that wholeness and that restoration and that peace of God that surpasses all understanding. So let's pray. This first prayer is for those people who are going to welcome Jesus into their hearts this afternoon who are going to make a commitment to know him even more. If this is for you, just say this prayer in your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things that I have done wrong in this life that that may have hurt you or they might have offended you, whether I did them on purpose or whether I just didn't know. Lord, please um, forgive me I don't want to feel that way anymore. Lord, thank you that because I ask, you, you can come in. Because I've asked of you, you're going to come and be with me. You're going to come and live with me and help me with life problems. You're going to bring me a sense of completeness and wholeness and restoration that surpasses my understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if everyone keeps their head bowed for a minute, I would just ask that if anyone said that prayer in their heart for the first time this evening, would you do something really brave and just look up and make eye contact with me? We would love to pray with you and put a, put a Bible in your hand. Amen. Amen. Lord, 
I pray that you would help us this week in our chaotic lives, in, in the busyness of life, in the struggles of, of what we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Lord, I pray you would help us to have this sense of wholeness and completeness and restoration, not because we're doing something right, but because we're drawing near to you. Lord, I pray a hallmark of this church would be that we draw near to Jesus. When times get tough, we do not run away, we run closer. Lord, this sense of peace can only come from you because you are peace. Lord, may we run after you this week. May we seek you. May we find you. May our hearts feel whole and complete and restored in your mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more of our messages, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and our podcast channel for past preachers. If you feel like you got something out of today's message, why not share it with your friends and spread the good news of Jesus? We are praying for you. We love you. So please, if you need anything at all, check out springschurch.co.uk. God bless.